If you have Mark chapter 4 open in front of you, page 950, 951 in the green Bibles. Um, Again, just to refresh us, or if you're visiting, just so that you know over this term, we're teaching on prayer, and um, we're using the Lord's Prayer as a template for our own understanding. We've looked at the uh, address of prayer, our Father in heaven, who it is that we pray to, what it is that's unique about Christian prayer. We've looked at um, some of the uh, preparations to prayer, some of the stumbling blocks, as well as some of the stepping stones to uh, a fresh awareness of God's presence, to spending time in his presence and being empowered and inspired by that. Uh, We have uh, looked at prayer and preparation as, as praise, praise making big things near, getting something of a perspective, hallowed be your name. And so now, uh, and for the rest of this series, we move on to petition. In other words, to answer the question, what do we pray for? What do we pray for? If we have an appreciation of God who we praise, then what is it that we say? What do we bring into his presence? And this idea of perspective Your kingdom come. God's perspective on our lives, particularly as we pray. Is it it wrong that we should pray for a girl to get a place at a particular university? I mean, surely God is more concerned with other greater things than than that. Or that um, my pet hamster gets well. Or that um, Frida passes her driving test. Or that my cold gets better. Do we pray for those things? Really? And if so, how do we go about that? What is the mindset that we have? What does God think of prayers and concerns like that? Well, Jesus has taught us. um, We've been referencing um, Matthew chapter 6, or it might be the uh, similar passage in Luke 11, of this template of prayer when the disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. God's kingdom is a mystery. Mark chapter 4. Verse 26, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn, stalk the ear, the grain in the ear, and as it grows ripe, the whole harvest. The kingdom is a mystery. The people of Israel were anticipating a king coming resplendent and triumphant. Jesus says, no, the kingdom is ushered in by something tiny that you bury out of sight. And then you just do nothing. You wait. Hmm. The kingdom is a mystery. Because, you see, to Israel and the the nation at the time, as Jesus was teaching, they were anticipating that uh, little more, I suspect, than just that they would have their land established, the land that God had promised them, Israel, the promised land. And Jesus, in effect, is saying, your God is too small. Or you are reducing him 
Because this kingdom, this tiny thing, will grow and grow and grow out of all proportion to its beginning. So the second parable of the mustard seed. What should we say the kingdom of God is like? What parable should we use? It's like a mustard seed, verse 31, the smallest of all seeds, tiny. You bury it again out of sight, and yet it grows and grows and grows beyond your wildest imagination. I was talking to someone at the end of the previous service who was interested on the biology of this. How does a seed so tiny produce the the, the root so great that it can support a plant so big? I don't know. It's a mystery. But as Paul says, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. So it is with the kingdom. Take something tiny. We cannot imagine how God could possibly do something so enormous, so impacting, so huge. But Jesus teaches that that is the mystery of the kingdom. All by itself. The person who sows the seed, verse 27, does not know how. There is a mystery to the kingdom. And with many other parables... Verse 33, similar parables. In other words, a similar message. Something tiny grows out of all proportion to its beginning. And we do not know how. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom where God kings it. Where there is divine influence brought to bear in our lives and the lives of others in the communities in which we live. an influence, an authority, a power at work where people let God have his way. That is his kingdom. So how does that relate to prayer? How does that relate to how we pray and what we pray for? And the clue is in this template that Jesus gives us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. In other words, from Jesus, it's an invitation to cooperate. Literally, to co-operate. Work with. We, we work with God. But the point of praying, it seems to me, first and foremost, is that we, we bring ourselves, like a living sacrifice on the altar, we bring ourselves into God's presence, as it were. Jesus has already done that, I know. But we become, we allow ourselves to be conscious of what Jesus has already done. And we say, Lord, I want to be part of bringing in your kingdom. So Jesus invites us to pray it. Your kingdom come from my lips and my consciousness. I want to cooperate with you, Lord. So just as the seed can't begin this process of mysterious growth on its own. It needs the man to scatter it. It needs the farmer to sow it. So in the same way, God he's kind of, in a sense, restricted himself to work with us in a, in a sort of divine human cooperative. And so Jesus teaches us that we need to cooperate, to pray, and to join in with this mystery of the kingdom By praying, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And just as the farmer or the sower anticipates, as he scatters the seed, he anticipates the coming growth unto harvest. So when we pray, Jesus is inviting us to anticipate the kingdom. 
to watch for signs of it. Just as the farmer will watch for the first little sprouts. I think, ah, great. He'll, He'll protect those vulnerable little sprouts from birds and other predators and pests. So we are to participate actively as we watch and anticipate signs of the kingdom, signs of God's rule, signs of God taking charge in people's lives. Anticipating the kingdom, what's that like as we pray your kingdom come? Do you remember when you were kids? Did you, uh, did you go on a, a seaside holiday? Buckets and spades and all that, do you remember? And wasn't one of the great things on a big sandy beach when the tide was out, wasn't the great thing to begin to build a great fortress that you knew would withstand the incoming tide? You get there with your buckets and spades. Wasn't it brilliant when, when if, if dad was around, when dad joined in? Because, you know, you were there with, you know, those little, those little sort of hand, little plastic things, and you're going, sit, 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 sit. And you're trying to make a little, and dad comes, and he gives it some wetty, doesn't it? And you go, bosh, bosh. And you know, if dad said, there's a great, big, huge, great, big wall that's being made, the big ditch behind, and moat, and you get the seaweed and the stones, and you think, yeah. And for a moment, you're, there's this sort of invincibility that builds up. No way is the tide going to overcome this. And yet, I mean, even as kids, wrapped up in the sort of excitement of making this great big wall, even as kids, we knew, didn't we? We knew what was going to happen. That was part of the thing of it. It was the anticipation. We know the tide's coming in. There'd be someone who, you know, wasn't much good at digging, so he was a sentry. He was a guard. And you're sitting there and say, tell us when the sea's coming. And he'd come back, the sea's coming, jumping up and down, the sea's coming, the sea's coming. And that was the whole point. We knew the sea was coming. It was the rich anticipation of something we don't, we don't know how. All by itself, the sea came in. It's where the analogy slightly breaks down, of course, because it demolished the sand that you've made. And, and yet God's kingdom will last forever. The point of the story was to join in with the anticipation. Your kingdom come is to join in with the anticipation of God's life here on earth, heaven on earth, breaking through in all sorts of ways. Um, Last term we did some teaching on uh, a course we called Inside Out. It's on the website. Uh, And I've got more, there's more to say there that I won't say now on, on understanding where we are in kingdom terms. Because some of you want to say quite rightly that Jesus has, didn't Jesus come and establish the kingdom? Didn't he set up and start the kingdom? Yes, he did. Is there anything more to be done? Well, in one sense, no. Jesus has, has done everything. God's kingdom is not here completely, but it is here to stay. And when we pray, when Jesus invites us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Particularly that phrase, I think sometimes we could sort of almost pray it with a shrug of the shoulders. Your will be, you're so mighty, you're so powerful, you're so awesome. I'm just a puny little human being. I'm not, I'm not even important in the place where I work, let alone in your kingdom. I have no influence. I, can't, I'm, I feel futile, impotent. So, you know, your will be done. You know, it's going to, to use the modern parlance, whatever. You just get on with it. Your kingdom come on earth. Jesus invites us to pray. Your kingdom come on earth. You are involved. You were, do you remember? Adam was made from the dust of the earth. We, we are, we're part of this creation. 
And we pray, your kingdom come on earth. Implicitly we're praying, and count me in. Count me in. Jesus has already begun the kingdom and we play our part in it. That's what we're doing when we pray this line in the prayer. Or when we pray prayers springboarding from this template. Think of it like this. Jesus is a medical genius and he's invented something or discovered something, let's say penicillin. Extraordinary cure. And as the medical genius, he invites us all now to act as doctors and physicians and to take this wonderful cure and having received healing ourselves, to pass on the healing to others in need. Or Jesus is the musical prodigy. He's composed this extraordinary tune. And we at once have been enchanted by the melody. We're we're consumed by it such that we learn to play our part in the orchestra that will play the tune for others to recognize and join in. Your kingdom come. Notice your kingdom. The the, the healing and the medicine or, or the tune, the melody, they are Jesus' melody. Your kingdom come. But we are called to play our parts. We're called to act as the doctors or the musicians. Question, how can I, how can you, how can we be sure that the medicine we're giving or the tune that we're playing is Jesus' medicine and Jesus' tune? And the answer is, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. We ensure that all that we seek to do in his name is aligned with his will and his purpose. We bring ourselves as an offering to him. And in praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. We're asking that God, by his spirit, flow in and through and out of us to heal and serenade a needy world. This prayer of petition is um, rather like Sue was alluding to. It's a prayer of transformation. And it begins with personal transformation. As As I begin to recognize just how out of kilter, how off key I have become, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. Realign me, Lord. As uh, Colin very helpfully pointed out, this reading that we've had, the sower, the man sowing the seed and the mustard tree, actually comes, as you'll see just from the headings, a section of teaching from Jesus on seeds and sowers and soil. That's the fairly well-known Um, parable of the sower, the start of Mark chapter 4. The seed, as Jesus goes on to teach us, I think in verse um, 14, chapter 4, the farmer sows the word. The seed is the word. What is the word? Well, it's, it's God's potential for life. It's the only way, ultimately, to life. It's this tiny little thing which, when planted, has the potential to grow 
out of all proportion to its very beginning. Something that we read in the book, something that we study in scripture, something that we hear in a sermon, something tiny, a little phrase, just a thought, 20 years ago, maybe he's birthed a whole ministry, seen so many other people come to faith. And as um, these parables point out, the seed needs a receptive soil. Some soil is too hard, some soil is too rocky, some soil is full of thorns. But for good soil, there is the combination of word and response and new life, a harvest, God's kingdom in unimaginable ways brought into being. There's a challenge for us as we begin to form our own prayers templated by this this line in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, may I be receptive soil for your word so that my life, our lives, might bear fruit, bear a harvest. Even if I have, as Sue was humble enough to confess, a kind of begrudging heart, even if I don't really feel like doing whatever it is, yet not my will, but yours. Your will be done on earth through me. And when we align our wills, when we become obedient to what he asks of us, the kingdom grows. So it's perspective. As we hallow his name, as we ask for an expression of his kingdom here on earth as in heaven, we realign and refresh our perspectives. So often we talk, don't we, um, perhaps we might say in conversation, if we're bold enough with someone at work or our neighbor or someone, we might say, yes, um, uh, God is part of my life. God's part of my life plan. He's important to me. But your kingdom come, your will be done, should so consume us that actually what we're saying is I am part of God's life plan. We subvert it around, realign our perspective and priorities. One of the things I have against so much of the sort of management books and so many helpful things in in how to sort of um, make the best of your life and achieve great things in your life, how to get so-called work-life balance. Yuck, but that's for another sermon. Is that all of it is flawed, in my humble opinion. Because the starting premise for so much of this advice on how to live life well is that the goal of this life is this life. Oh. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. In other words, the whole of everything here on earth has to match up and align with eternity. Every person that I meet, every hour that I work, every thing that I accumulate has to be assessed within the perspective and the context of eternity. It changes my perspective. It changes our perspective. And when we begin to relinquish our grip on things of this world alone, in order that we might allow eternity, heaven, to break in, when we realign our lives and our wills and our vision and our dreams and our hopes and our aspirations with his, we begin to see the kingdom advance in our lives and in the lives of others.
we see people released from things that burden them as we pray in line with God's will, as Sue was telling us here. I'd love to create more space in the next few weeks for more stories and testimonies. I know that others are shared. There are so many things going on at the moment in the life of just this body here. I know that through the different house groups that meet and the people who pray together. God at work, sprouting things. Let me finish with one story, one of my favorite stories, to encourage us as we pray and live and work in kingdom terms. It's to encourage us to be like Albert McMakin. Every single one of us here, you've all heard of Albert McMakin, right? No? You don't know who Albert McMakin is? No way. Hands up if you know who Albert McMakin is. Not a single hand. One hand. Two hands. These people will tell you. Albert McMakin lived out in the Midwest of the States, um, coming on for uh, 80 years ago. And there was a big rally in which there was a speaker, a Christian rally and a speaker speaking. And Albert McMakin could see all these young, roughneck guys uh, sort of in their early, late teens and early 20s. And he said, right, he just felt, he knew it was right that the Lord was asking him to round up a few of these, put them in his truck and take them to this meeting. They needed saving. <laughs> and so he did. And there was one guy in particular who was very resilient. No way, I'm not going to that meeting. And so the only way that Albert McMakin could get him to the meeting was if he promised to allow him to drive the truck. So gingerly, he gave him the keys to the truck. And this young guy drove the truck to the meeting, sat there. And the preacher spoke. And at the end, he invited people to respond to the message, like the seed in the soil. And to Albert McMakin's utter amazement, this refusenik, this petulant young teenager, got up, walked all the way down the staging the stairs to the platform where the speaker was speaking and he knelt down in prayer and there and then he surrendered his life to the lordship, the kingdom of God and the lordship of Jesus Christ. You may not have heard of Albert McMakin but you'll have heard of the young man who knelt that night because his name is Billy Graham. We're not all called to be a Billy Graham. But every single one of us, as we are just obedient to what God is asking us to do, every single one of us could be an Albert McMakin. And who knows, if we were obedient to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we played out our small part, who knows what God couldn't birth as a result of that. It's a risky prayer to pray. It's an exciting prayer to pray. It's an adventurous prayer to pray. It's the kingdom prayer. Let's just have a moment or two of quiet. I'm going to sing our final hymn in just a few minutes. But before we do, let's allow God by his spirit to kind of flow through us. I invite you just as we sit to... Like to, it's, a, it's a sign you don't have to do this, but maybe just to hold out your hands and literally just say, Lord, I, I kind of invite you to come. Manifest yourself in my life and just clear away those things that are blocking you, where I've refused to see you. I've been deaf to you. Where the soil of my life has been unreceptive to the seed of your word.
I wonder now, as you think of your engagement in earth, where you live, where you work, where you play. I wonder if the Lord, even now, by his Spirit, is kind of prompting you, nudging you, just causing your heart to beat a little bit stronger as you think about how you might play your part in joining in with his kingdom purposes. so that heaven invades earth and the kingdom advances in ways that we couldn't even begin to ask or imagine. It's maybe praying for someone or praying with someone. Offering help or assistance or advice. Holy Spirit, we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.